after further reveal. What is going on, everyone? Episode 23 of After Further Review, back at it again. By myself this time, Ryan and Chase together, doing the podcast from the beach. How are you guys doing up there in the uh, at the ocean? Oh, it's been good. Enjoy doing the show live out here from the our deck at the beach. It's been a good time. Ryan, how are you? Yeah, it's awesome. It's been a great week so far. Posted up at Seattle City, New Jersey. You already know Jason Kelsey's down here right now. Him and his brother just raised so much money for autism. They were actually bartending at Ocean Drive, which is a bar in town. Pretty cool stuff. He's down in the center of town talking to a bunch of people the past week or so. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Good weather so far. That's awesome. Did you guys go last night? Uh, Some of my family went to the... He wasn't there last night. Some of my family went out, but we stayed in. Chase pulled up at like nine, so I was waiting for him. Nice. That's awesome. That's cool that he does that and to have to see him uh, down there. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And I think to start off the show today, we've been hitting a bunch of guests, the players. Chase has been doing work on his side with them. And Chase, you just want to get the ball rolling with another one today? Yeah, here we go, guys. Another guest, of player, MLB edition. All right, so here we go. Clue number one. Throughout my career, I was a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. I began my professional career playing in Japan for the Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles. Clue number three, I joined the Seattle Mariners in 2012 and played for them until my retirement. Oh, uh, I know the name. It's H-I is the initials. I yeah, can't. Uh, Iwakuma? Yep. Oh, right. Hazashi the Machine Iwakuma. I-, I was thinking, too, of the first name. I was, I was like, wait, he's one of those guys because of fantasy, I remember. Yeah. yeah, bro. Him and King Felix. Like, I love getting both of those guys on my team. I told you, there's Mariners team. I love. Yeah. He was always like really solid, like never like amazing, but never like bad. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. I bet if he came over earlier in his career, he probably would have put up like even better numbers. But he threw a no hitter against the Orioles in 2013. And uh, he also got Cy Young Awards, Cy Young Award votes in 2013 and 2014. Dang. It's not too bad. Yeah. No. A little peek there. No, definitely good for the Mariners for that quick amount of time. Well, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, Chase. Always fun to do a guess the player. I'm and... so I'm so salty because Ben always gets some in this. I literally knew the guy. I just I couldn't put the name together. I'm salty. We'll call that one a tie. All right. If anyone's keeping track at home, as you guys know, we're doing our our uh, after further review starting lineups. Two more in the book for last week. Thanks for everyone who voted. We had a Big turnout, probably our biggest turnout so far. And our closing pitcher, Mr. Aroldis Chapman, 105 himself. And in left field, got Mr. Steroid himself, Barry Bonds. So those are our uh, those are our two. We got four left and two more today. And uh, as always, we don't talk about it ahead of time. And we're excited to, uh, to get into it and kind of talk about these third base and uh, designated hitter, which designated hitter, had to say designated hitter in the baseball reference bio. I'm double checking. Mine says that right now. Okay. Yeah. Ryan's going to double check on that. They played. Uh, yeah, we're good. About... Okay. We're good. There we go. So yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we get into this and we could talk some more about uh, it's all-star weekend and some, some current events here with the, with baseball as well. But uh, let's start with that, that designated hitter. And this one was definitely easier than relief pitcher, but I just real quick, we have four left. I thought we would, someone would have matched by now. I, I want two of us to match. We got to figure out. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I just, I mean, there's so many players and so much talent, but yeah. we've been choosing good players that we all basically know. I mean, so you would think that two of us would have crossed paths at some point, but maybe today. Well, I'll, uh, I'll get it going here with DH. My this was a this was a tougher two for me. I didn't have an easy time, um, and I went with two guys that I just did some research on and didn't necessarily know um, a ton about ahead of time. Um, so that guy for designated hitter is Hal McRae. Ball one on McRae. Ball has got 
everything that has been asked of him in this series. Getting on base, making all the plays. He's had an outstanding series to this point. Oh, right. I like it. So he was drafted in the sixth round of the 1965 MLB draft. He played primarily for the Reds and Royals. Um, so he played from 1968 to 1987. Um, he won a chip with the Royals in 1985 and was a three-time All-Star and a Silver Slugger. He had a 27.9 career war. He was a 290 hitter with over 2,000 hits, but only 190 home runs. He was one of the first like designated hitters um, to just primarily be a designated hitter. And he's third all time in a designated hitter appearances. So hitting yeah. at the designated hitter spot. When did he start playing? He started his, his rookie year was 1968. Yeah. And the crazy part of that, about that Ben is the American league didn't introduce the designated hitter till 73. Yeah. And he was really salty that they were putting him as a designated hitter because he wanted to play the field. But then, <laughs> but then it like, once he kind of figured it out and figured he'd still get like a bunch of at bats, he was fine with it. But yeah, so he's third all time and designated hitter, but he was a weird designated hitter because he didn't hit home runs the same. So like he had one year where he had 27, but he only had two years where he ever hit over 20 home runs. So he was just more of like a contact kind of guy, but he had, he was a 294 playoff hitter. Um, he had 164 playoff appearances, like played appearances in the playoffs, which I thought was a pretty solid amount. And he, uh, his best year was 1976. He got fourth in the MVP at 332. Um, led the league in doubles and tw twice and RBIs once. Um, and he was kind of known for having a bit of a temper. Um, he was battling George Brett for the batting title. He needed one hit, didn't get the hit, so didn't get it. And then when he walked back to the dugout, he got a standing ovation. From the, from the Royals and then turned to the Twins dugout, went up to the manager, flipped him off, and then just walked away. And then the whole, all the benches cleared. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it was just, I, didn't, I haven't really heard of him too much. And it was kind of interesting what he did at the designated hitter position. Um, so that's, yeah, that's why I picked him. And I haven't really picked anyone from that era per se. So I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool because I mean, me being a huge NBA fan, the three point line being introduced a little bit before time, we like learn about those pioneer guys. And mm -hmm. it seems like your guy right here is like a pioneer, the designated hitter. And he kind of jump started that and made it like, this is a legit position. Like you, if you can hit the ball, you can play in the American league um, yeah. up now. And now you can play anywhere, but like, that's that's big because I mean defense is a huge part of MLB and the fact that if you can make it as just a hitter is I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's just weird to see like a primary DH. He's hit like 280, 290 with like 10 home runs and like yeah the RBIs. Like that's what he, and he just hit it like a lot of like hit a lot of doubles. So yeah, was, like that's a stereotypical designated hitter is going for a lot of power. Yeah, be, not just like a contact on base guy. Yeah, so that's my guy, Hal McCray. So my guy is still currently playing, although he's a newly minted free agent in Major League Baseball. I chose Nelson Cruz as my designated Ooh. hitter. The action that Felix gets because it's a home boy. Watch out, this is going to go for a long, long way from now. Nelson Cruz absolutely punishes that pitch. That's a good one. Great player in his day, still could possibly do it. We've had a ability to turn people around this season, so hopefully we're giving a little good juju to Nelson Cruz to make a run here. Seven-time All-Star, four-time Slugger, ALCS MVP with the Texas Rangers when they were dominant, had their dominant run in the, ten, the 2010s era. Hit over 40 home runs four times in his career. Got over 300 a few times, but typically was like a 270 hitter. So pretty stereotypical designated hitter i would say for this modern era especially his career he played all al up until recently and then he went to the nl but that's only because of the designated hitter role of course but yeah nelson cruz is my pick definitely a guy with a lot of power uh you know just i think a lot of people use his swing to learn from just to see his mechanics Luis arias and him work together a lot so obviously it pays off dividends for arias but one of the better players of our generation that we've been able to watch up or grow up and watch. Boomstick. 
Yeah, Boomstick Cruise. Oh, also, like that's going for the all nickname team, so that's what it's for. That's a good one. He's definitely probably the best DH, one of the best DHs of our generation. Yeah, he's a little bit higher of a player. I probably would have been picking, I think, so far, but he's just, just definitely worth it at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty notable designated hitter of our time. And I mean, fantasy purposes, he was a hot pickup and he didn't even play in the field. So, yeah. All right. So you guys want me to go next? Well, I guess I'm the only guy left to go. Yeah, you got the A trying. Yeah. So this one, uh, um, I don't know. It wasn't that hard. I did some digging and stuff. And I kind of took a page out of Chase's book. Chase likes the off-field stuff. He likes these players with these cool stories. And so I chose an NPB guy myself, current player Shohei Otani. I feel like it's just something that at some point we had to touch on. I think he's been a better hitter than pitcher so far in his career. And it's just one of those wild things because in 2022, the National League got rid of pitchers batting. Like they brought in the DH, right? So essentially now in all of Major League Baseball, the end of pitchers batting, like it's like a new era. No more pitchers will be batting in either league. And the fact that he is still out there every day because his bat's so good, whether he's pitching or not, is just incredible. And I know that there's so many unique things about him. I mean, his career war is already over 30. Um, this year he's batting 302, already has 32 home runs and over 100 hits. And just some notable things already. Now, he came over from the MPB a little sooner than some players from Japan. I mean, he was drafted in 2012. By 2018, he already came to the majors, and he's only 29 right now with five seasons under his belt. So he has plenty of time to make a great Hall of Fame career in baseball. If he, he has, won- like, sorry, not to interrupt, if he has, hey, like, two good. or three more seasons like he's having this year, like, even, like, two, and retired at, like, 31 or two, he's probably a Hall of Famer. Yeah. That's how yeah. that's how crazy his seasons have been over the last like two years. And he would probably be the first in both Hall of Fames, right? Like Japanese and Ichiro. I think he's Japanese Hall of Fame, right? Ichiro. Yeah. Is he in? Yeah. He's gonna he will be in yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyway, I just yeah, he's he's definitely on his way. Yeah, and he didn't play in the Japanese league that long either. So already impressive. I mean I still like to say start to his career. I know he's 29, but he was the 2018 AL Rookie of the Year. He's already won an MVP. He already has a 40 home run season and a 15 wins pitching season. These stats, I mean, Ben, you rattled off Barry Bond stats that were like untouchable. And I feel like we're going to have these Otani stats in like 15, 20 years that we're like, are we ever going to see this again? Yeah. Um, he had a 200 strikeout season. I mean, he's just a solid player. And like we talk about with some of these MLB guys, the only thing missing from his career so far is postseason play. I don't know where well, the Angels are sitting right now, but I'm pushing for them to make the playoffs this year, Ben. I know you don't think it's going to happen, but I want to see him and Mike Trout in the playoffs together. I think that'd be cool. And starting pitcher on one side, but the designated hitter from the other. And that's my guy, Shohei Tani. Yeah, I mean, they're currently out of a playoff spot right now, but maybe – They'll uh they'll do better. They're gonna soon. get in. They're getting uh, that more back after the all-star break. They're, they're one of their solid seventh, eighth inning guys. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't want to sign, if he doesn't want to pull the trout and maybe sign somewhere else, he'll have a shot ch- a shot. But if he signs a giant contract with the Angels, yeah. I like it. I like it. Shohei, probably the best current player. All right. Well, third base coming up. This one was super hard for me. I don't know about you guys. No, this was pretty easy for me. Yeah, this was uh, definitely a tough one for me, uh, especially because I have a hard allegiance to Mike Schmidt, and it was really hard for me to, like, balance that and pick someone. But I instead didn't go with him, and I picked someone who basically could be a newer age version of himself, and that's Adrian Beltre. Swung on, high fly ball, hit into left center field and quite deep. Coco Chris back to the track. The wall leaps, fly away! As Adrian 
Beltre is heading for third base. And do they call it a home run or not? He's going to try and score. Anyway, the throw to the plate is not in time. And inside the park, home run. My, oh, my. Yeah, we bring up a lot on the show. A complete stud. Does it all at third base. Defense, offense, 400 home runs. I think he has the most hits ever for a third baseman. Uh, put up crazy numbers. His best, I think one of his best years was came when he was 25 years old with the Dodgers. He had 200 hits, 32 doubles, 104 runs, 48 home runs, and he was bat he was batting 334. Not too bad, especially for being a youngster. But yeah. really solid. Obviously, um, another thing that draws him is just his on the field personality and the way he presents himself. Just as a fun guy. Um, doesn't like when people touch his head, especially Elvis Andrews. They always had that thing going on. It was just fun to see. Touch his head. <laughs> yeah, touch his head and, you know, do anything, you know, together. It was just really cool to see that, like, you can enjoy the game of baseball as a superstar and still have fun with it. You know, it's not just all serious sometimes. I love Bryce Harper, but I feel like sometimes he would really be, like, on the edge of things and on the verge of getting choked out or choking other people out and, you know, Beltre could do that, but I feel like you would have to really be a warrant to think for him to do that. So that's my pick, Adrian Beltre, super solid third baseman. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I definitely think, Ben, if you haven't seen it, and for our listeners out there, we got to get just a montage clip of people touching Adrian Beltre's head and him just freaking out in the dugout because I like he it. really hated it. And I don't, I mean, I don't blame him when people were messing around with your helmet and stuff. And it just, I'm sure like a lot of people don't like it, but he let people know. Yeah. Check for that on Insta. We'll post something. It'll be funny. Yeah, I didn't realize he had such a good season with the Dodgers his last year, and then they just let him go, and that was a brick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he put up crazy numbers yeah. after his career. And he also had a really long career, 21 years, which was pretty amazing in itself, considering I feel like I don't know what the average professional baseball career is, but I can't imagine it's like much over three if you even make it to the majors. No, and I mean, he had a over 90 war, and that's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's higher than like Griffey. Like, that's a hell of a solid yeah. career. He's probably a Hall of Famer, right? He's a Hall of Famer, hundred percent, hundred percent. Does he have a ring? <laughs> You're right. No, I don't think he does. He was on those Ranger teams. Yeah, he was on the Ranger teams with Cruz that kept bricking <laughs> with the yeah against the Cardinals. Yeah, they or Ron Washington. Have, they did have like a stacked. Rock. I can't think of all, all who they had at that point. I but... think they also had Sinsu Chu and Prince Fielder. Mate, no, oh, not I'm Prince. Sure. I think they had Sinsu Chu. Fielder was still in the Brewers then, Ben, I think. Okay. Aside from Ed Delahanty in my left field spot, and then King Felix as my starting pitcher, this was my third easiest pick so far. And I went with, at the time of his retirement, arguably the best third baseman of all time, Mike Schmidt. Here's the stretch by Robinson. The 3-0 pitch. Swing and long drive! There it is! Number five! The career 500th home run for Michael Jack Smith. And the Phillies have regained the lead in Pittsburgh. 8-6. And the Phillies dugout comes swarming out to home plate. I know it's a homer pick, but it's a pretty easy homer pick. I mean, career war of 106.8, over 2,000 hits, over 500 home runs. And I think he was like seventh all time when he was done playing, helped bring the Phillies their first ever World Series, which was his also his MVP year. He didn't play super great, at least from the offensive standpoint, but he was insane defensively over there at third. And he just did so much for that organization that couldn't find themselves for years. And he helped kind of lead them to their first World Series. And I mean, they were competitive a good chunk of his career. I believe 18 seasons, all with the Phillies, really solid career, three-time MVP, 10-time gold glove, six-time silver slugger, and the silver slugger award didn't even start until like halfway through his career. And so right there, I mean, he probably would have at least 10 silver slugger awards. He was the World Series MVP, um, did a lot on both sides. And the craziest part about him is just his the adversity. He batted like 179 in high school. He went to a local college. He's from Dayton, Ohio. He went to a local college in Ohio, batted like 220, 
but he just kept playing in those like weird summer leagues and he finally found his footing and got the opportunity to play. And then he was just one of those guys that took off. Um, but the craziest thing to me is that, I mean, he had this 18 year hall of fame career because at age five, he was climbing a tree and he got to the top and he grabbed this wire that was like 4,000 volts. I don't know if you guys heard the story or not. No. He grabbed this wire and he basically got shocked to the point where his heart just stopped. And so that he released the wire, he fell down with like branches kind of slowing his fall. And the story is that when he hit the ground, it restarted his heart. And that's kind of like just a wild five-year-old story. I'm sure there was not many people around. I mean, like back then he was probably just outside, you know, climbing a tree and that that's just wild. And between that and then just not even having a good high school baseball career, he played a bunch of sports. So it wasn't even like, like he was really good at that. And that's all he focused on. You know, he played everything for his local high school and he fought through a lot, but a lot of people don't realize that because of just how good he is in the time frame we're in now. You just think, oh, yeah, easily the Phillies' best third baseman of all time and one of the best third baseman of all time. But I had to go with a homer pick. I haven't hit one in a while. Mike Schmidt. I love that. I pick. like it. No, I mean, definitely. I mean, look at his baseball reference, just black italics and bold everywhere. So, yeah, big fan. Also, a great story is that he beats his wife regularly at golf. <laughs> gosh and you have to find that clip because he said it during a broadcast and harry cow was like almost puked and was like trying to say yeah yeah golf a golf <laughs> oh my gosh it's full count here to willie harris getting down with another swarm by the jack how's your golf game pretty good harry uh i've, I've been beating the hell out of my wife pretty regularly <laughs> At golf, I hope. But that's in context what he meant. He doesn't actually like physically abuse his wife. I would put him damned on Ryan's pick quick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely one of my favorite Phillies of all time. Definitely one of my favorite players of all time, especially. But yeah, that just makes me crack up. And yeah, like it's just one of those moments where like he didn't mean it that way, but it just came off as like, Wait, what? For my guy, it was tough. I uh, I really wanted to go David Wright, but I didn't. Um, you didn't? Oh. I didn't. Ben. So I was going to, but I decided against it. And I went with someone else. The Fordham Flash, Frankie Fritsch. Known as the Fordham Flash, Frankie Frisch was an all-around athlete who jumped directly from college to the New York Giants. He played on eight pennant-winning teams in 19 seasons. A fine switch hitter. Frisch compiled a run of 11 straight 300 seasons. As player manager with St. Louis, he instilled the rollicking all-out style of hard-nosed play that prompted sports writers to tab the Cardinals the Gas House Gang. Frisch was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1947. I'm going to say I'm not familiar. <laughs> yeah, Ben, you got us here. <laughs> no familiarity on our side. So, um, Frankie Frisch was a early 1900s type of guy. Oh, okay. You took a page out of my book. So he played from 1919 to 1937. He's a Hall of Famer. He's 71.8 war, 316 average with 2,800 career hits. Um, he won the first MVP in 1931, which is the not the first MVP, but the first MVP that was from the Baseball's Writers Association. The first time the MVP is like what it is today. Um, although Chuck Klein from the Phillies probably should have won. He's probably one of the most undeserving MVPs also. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that was, they started counting the MVP. Like that was what, 12 years into his career. So he could have had like another season. They they did MVPs, but this was the first time they did like the Baseball Writer Association MVPs. Okay, they it sorry, that sorry. way. Um, there was different ways they did it before. But his MVP year, he had a 311 average four home runs and 80 RBIs only led the league in stolen bases with 28. So that would be, if we ever touch on. He's definitely one of the most undeserving. Whereas Chuck Klein that year and who played for the Phillies at 337 led the league with 31 home runs, under 21 RBIs, 121 runs. (laughs) So they like stolen bases was like super. Who did did your guy play for? He played for the, uh, were they the Cardinals at that point? 
Yeah, the Cardinals. So the Cardinals. Um, they were just a lot better. They probably were. Yeah, it was just a weird thing. And he's um, another kind of neat thing about him is he's tied with Yogi Bear for the most World Series doubles ever. And he holds the record for most World Series hits for a player who wasn't, who'd never played for the Yankees. Oh, I like that stat. That's pretty impressive. Um, so he, and he was a big, he was a manager for about 18 years after he was a player too. So he was just in baseball for, you know, tons of his life. And yeah, it was just interesting. I was trying to pick someone that I haven't heard of because third base was a bit tough for me. Um, I went down a rabbit hole. I was looking at David Wright. I was looking at Harmon Killebrew. I looked at some guys. I almost picked Miggy for DH. And then I was like, wait, we already picked Miggy. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's technically on, on baseball versus DH too. So, but yeah, so Frankie Fritch. Yo, Ben, I like that pick. Get behind it more. Don't just come on here and say he's undeserving. That, to have the most he's... World Series hits, non-Yankee, that's a cool stat. I'm saying his MVP, he's not, he's not really deserving of his MVP. Okay. It'd just be interesting to like go back and be like, they're like, oh, that guy led the league in stolen bases. He's the MVP. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> like, oh, it's a weird thing to think. I mean, he had he hit over 300 and all. That's great. But obviously, wasn't better than some of the other guys. Does that MVP trophy have a name? Or is it just the MVP trophy? I think it's just the MVP. Like, is there's no name attached to it? I don't think so. I don't think baseball really did that much. I know that they have, like, the Mariana Reliever of the Year uh, award now. Like, they yeah. changed they change it after him, but yeah, which mean, is like, weird because there's so much history in baseball, but it'd yeah. probably be like a bunch of names like no one ever heard of at this point. Yeah, that's they, why I was wondering, like, since this guy won the first one, if they would just name it after him or something. I mean, it really uh, wouldn't be like deserving just because he won the first one to get the name of it, but it'd be funny if that was the name. No, it's just called the Baseball Writers Most Valuable Player Award. I also wonder if like stadiums are bigger or smaller than they are today. Like, Distance. Some of them are bigger because if you look at the, like, I mean, you play MLB The Show, and you if you yeah. play on some of those, like, legendary stadiums, <laughs> those dimensions are just weird. Yeah, they are. Like, especially, the like you were saying, like, Wrigley and Fenway, they have not traditional right. distances and stuff like that. But, yeah, I was wondering if maybe they were, like, bigger in the past, and that's why home run numbers weren't as, like, crazy. That's probably it. Or even if it just really wasn't, like, a focus of the game. Like, they just didn't really care about it. Yeah. Because, like you were saying, this guy won it, and he led the league in stolen bases. Scheib Field, for example, which I think is that that's the Phillies played there. Left field was, like, 360. Right field was 340. But then center field, you had 530. Whoa. (laughs) And then, like, center field corner was 568. And then it says deep left center was 420. So it was, like... The corners were fine, but then it just, like, went out. <laughs> no one's hitting one deep. Like, I don't even know that many people have gone over 500 recently, like a handful of people. I Joe think. Adele, I know, and then minor league game did. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know, like, Adam Dunn, I think, cranked one over 500 one time. Oh, by the way, we're since we're bringing up Adam Dunn, he's a guy I was really about the first baseman thing because he never played with an AL team. And he always had to play first base, but he literally hit 40 home runs like half of his career. I looked him up for DH and I was like, dang, he's not, he's not an option. No, but he would be a DH. That's why I was like, I feel like there's guys in the past that you know are DHs, but got stuck playing with NL teams. Yep. And he's, he was the guy I was thinking about because like he would literally bat 200, but have 40 home runs. Yeah, he was like the prototypical bust. That's the first guy I thought of when we said DH. I was like, oh yeah, Adam Dunn. And then it wasn't on there. And I was like, what? I know. But so those are our six. And we got two more next week. So DH, we had uh, Shohei Otani, Nelson Cruz, and Hal McCray. Um, And third base, we had Frankie Frisch, Adrian Beltre, and Mike Schmidt. Yo, and you know what's crazy is, because we don't always just choose the best players, I feel like these two guys this week, without even thinking about it, are the best two guys I've chosen so far. Like, Ben, I know you had, like, Bonds and Randy Johnson, and we've all had, like, some really good players. But, I mean, that's what's fun about this. Like, I chose Coco Chris as my center fielder, but, (laughs) you know, now I'm putting Mike Schmidt at third. Like, it's just a crazy lineup that we're all making, and it's fun. So, yeah. 
And don't forget to vote on Instagram. And if you don't have Instagram, you can vote on Spotify as well. Um, you can pick one of each and get your votes in. And next week, we'll have our right field and shortstop. And that'll round out our starting lineup. Can't believe yeah. we're already like getting to the end of this. Feels like we just started not too long ago. Yeah, so excited for that and just to see what our team is and look at our personal teams, what they are too. And um, yeah. that'll be that'll be pretty fun. Yeah, we'll definitely have to make them square off and MLB the show. I definitely want to see how our teams get stacked up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I want to make, I want to, my goal now is going to be to collect like my all time after further review team in baseball cards. You, you know, can do that. So. Um, your Ed Delahanty is going to be tough. I will tell you that. But and... otherwise, <laughs> he has cards. Looking... They're just not going to be cheap. I'm going to be looking deep and there's like dollar boxes at the shows, <laughs> just like the ones that like have so many boxes that they'll like just a Phillies itself box. And I'm just going to be digging through like 30 Mike Schmidt's probably to get try to find one at Delahanty, just like that stumbled, I stumbled upon. Yeah. No, you'll have to do a, do some deep digging in those. I'll I'll trade my four hundred dollar Harry Potter card for one if I have to. <laughs> That's true. You can do that. But no. So moving on from that, we uh, I just want to. I saw Ryan. You asked last week about if there was any two way players, um, and there was one college player selected. Uh, that play that's quarterback for Oregon State. He was selected in the twentieth round by the Dodgers. DJ yeah. Ugagali, I think is his name. Yeah. But, I saw that. I was like, oh, oh, Ryan, there was one. Oh, I like that. Chase, you know about him? I know you follow yeah. college football probably more than any of us. Yeah, he started at Clemson and then transferred to Oregon State. But I actually had no idea he played baseball or was involved with baseball. I really only knew him as a football player. So, like you were saying, it was just really surprising to see. Like, I didn't know anyone. And then there was literally one that popped up. Assuming he's probably not going to sign, but still cool that he got drafted. If Yeah, I didn't know he played yeah. So one other thing, we had the home run derby the other night. I saw something that had the most expensive cards for each guy from the home run derby. So number one was Vlad, who had the most expensive card. And then it was Julio, Luis Robert, and then Mookie Betts wasn't was fourth. I thought it was kind of weird. Whoa. What? So wow. Vlad's most expensive card was 550k. Julio's was 275k. Luis Roberts 135k, and then Mookie's was 80k. 80k yeah that's what did it was it just like volume print from like his they took the most expensive card ever from each guy i'm putting the hundo one that in 50 years that's completely changed oh i'm sure i just thought it was weird that's that's weird mookie only has he doesn't have an over 100k card yo mookie i'm sorry man yeah Especially when you have Vlad of 550, like who's that's a stupid purchase. (laughs) The classic trading card thing where the player's value on a card is way more than they're worth on the actual field. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I'm about to have to put um Mookie in my right field position next week. That way I can go out and get a card that'll be worth millions one day. I'm pretty sure Jason Dominguez's card is more than all has one that sold for more than all these, and he hasn't even played in the majors and has been absolute dog shit in the minors. That's amazing. Yeah. No, so. no, it's not amazing, Chase. It's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid, is what it is. I'm just thinking about all those people that bought his card that are just praying he makes it to the majors now, or else they just wasted. Yeah. It's fun to do that on like a five, ten dollar card, but just dropping five hundred K just to speculate. Oof. Yeah, I don't get that. Hasn't, hasn't Mookie like three-time MVP already? Yeah, uh, and he's he's one of those guys too. Probably if he if he retired now, he'd be a Hall of Famer. He can make a Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he does it all. Yeah, and he's won. I would he won three chips too. I think I'm pretty two, sure. Yeah, three. Who Mookie? Yeah, at least two. Two, I think. I think, I think okay. one on the Red Sox and one on the Dodgers. I think. Yeah. Either way, he's a tank though. Yes. He yeah, he's one of those guys I wished him to play for like the powerhouse teams that he did. He's like a he's one of those guys that's easy to like too. Like he's smile, like you see him smiling a lot on the field. Yeah. He's the opposite of a DH. He's been playing like second, short, and outfield this year. Like, yeah, really put him anywhere. He's like and... a Ben Zobris, but playing better. Yeah, yeah. They should literally just get him a like an inning of pitching at some point, and like a blowout just to say he did it all. Yeah, yeah. and Vlad won the home run derby. Julio had that record setting round against Alonzo. I'm not. I'm still not sold on the the new format 
still a little weird to me. Oh, I was just saying, I like that. Like, all the stars are in it, though, too. Which yeah. Is important. Like, the people you want to see hit are doing it, which is nice. But I agree, the format's a little wonky. I feel like it could be a little bit better. Yeah, no, that's a good point. There are, you know, you have competitions in other sports where you don't get the best player. So it is cool to see some of the best players and most home runs for that first half in the home run derby. The notable thing about that, too, is that Luis Robert hurt his calf during the home run derby. So I don't think it's that serious, but he didn't play in the All-Star game because of it. So that's classic. I don't I hope that doesn't deter anybody. I don't think it was that serious. Of an Microcosm age. of the White Sox season right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's actually. Have you seen that video of Eloy Jimenez just turning his back on like a like those uh, two strikes in the county? Just walked away as soon as the pitcher threw the ball. It was from the other day when they were playing the Cardinals. I'm pretty sure. Literally, the pitcher just winds up and Eloy just looks and turns around and starts walking back to the dugout. It was just a strike called out, and people were they, like, "This is the White Sox season." They ruined that team by hiring Tony Larusa. Yeah, that was a really bad call. It was like, like they're just injuries have killed them too. Like I feel like both those things have just stalled because they do have talented people on their team. And it's not going to be like one of those things where it was like Pittsburgh, where like oh they should have just held on to their pieces. It's like it's almost so far gone at this point. Like it doesn't even matter whether or not they hold on to them or they sell off everything and start over. I mean, it is neat that they finally get in the breakout season from Beast Robert, Um, Mm -hmm. but Jimenez like. I feel like is waiting to break out every year and just isn't. Yeah, then you just get hurt. Like he's yeah. hurt. That's been Robert too until this year. Like they're just like, oh, they're actually doing something in like May, and then they get hurt, and you're just like, don't hear him out until like August. It doesn't even matter at that point. And to kind of just circle back, um, obviously we also have the All Star Game nationally getting their first win since 2012, so which is pretty insane. When I mean, people they I think. I think guys try in the all-star games. And so in like a 50-50 game, almost the National League get like, I mean, basically our whole lives has not dominated at all. And it was just a classic Rob Thompson move for the Phillies coaching staff to pull out this win, Kimbrell to get the save and uh, Felix Bautista actually giving up that two-run shot in the eighth. So it was a pretty, pretty good game too. Competitive, um, lower scoring, good pitching. But that was that was um that was something cool to watch too. And all star festivities for baseball definitely a little better than other sports in my opinion. I know, I feel like that's always the joke is like bet the AL. But now with like the DH role and everything, I feel like it's really evened out. Like you get a lot more hitters that are spread out and I don't know. I feel like there's just been a shift in the landscape. Wait, is there a is there a DH position for all-star or like like how would that work in the past if your american league dh guys were like hitting good would they just get put in because like the nba does by position does baseball do by position they i think they have a dh spot i think they do too but i think i don't know how they're doing it this year though i think in the past they just had a dh spot and that but this i guess that's might... true for the national league you would just put a hitter in there yeah so you could just put a any anybody that's best yeah yeah adam dunn yeah, Prince Fielder. <laughs> well, speaking of those Ranger teams, Prince Fielder was not on it, but I I did take a look um, at those early at that 2011 Ranger team. So notably with Nelson Cruz, which he's listed as a right fielder on this, not DH. Okay, um, so they just, made but they, they had Michael Young at DH. It says, oh, um, and then uh, Josh Hamilton with Adri- Adrian Beltre. Elvis Andrus, Ian Kinsler, and Mitch Moreland rounding out the infield. Mitch Moreland. Um, they also had Mike Napoli. Pitching-wise, there's not a lot. I mean, they had, like, Colby Lewis, like you, I think you said, C.J. Wilson, um, Arthur Rhodes. Oh, yeah. He was probably up there at that point. Yeah, they had some nice relievers, though, like Pedro Strope, Darren O'Day, Darren Oliver, Tommy Hunter, and Naftali Feliz. Oh, dang. Yeah, that is a really loaded bullpen. So they just needed to get to, like, the seventh or eighth inning and then... Yeah, Scott Feldman, Koji Uehara. So, yeah, some decent relievers. Not the best, like, starters, though, but... So it's not that disappointing that they didn't win a World Series. No, that lineup, though, is pretty solid with... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like hitting, like, power threat-wise, they could put a, like go up there with the best of them yeah that was like prime josh hamilton too so he was a stud 
Yeah, so I guess they were just trying to outscore everyone and then close it out. Yeah, basically. The lead. Just get like get up by six and then just hold that. Like a six to four game after the fifth and just hold it. <laughs> yeah, then you're good. Just get to the bullpen and you can close mm-hmm. it out. Doesn't matter. You give up the runs as long as you outscore them. Yeah, and as we hit the all-star break, it's kind of like the midway point. I know the MLB hasn't had their trade deadline yet, but I just want to hear you guys grade the Mets and the Phillies so far this season. And if you think that they still have a solid chance, both of them to make the playoffs with the extra wild card spot or not. Cause I think the Braves are probably going to run away with the division at this point. Mm-hmm. And the Marlins are still playing well too. And I know Ben, you don't want to answer the question, but I'm going to put it on the, put you on the spot. If you want Chase to go first, he can, but I just want to hear what you, what you grade them. I give him a D. There's been some positives. Frank, uh, Francisco Alvarez, leads the league and home runs for a catcher he's he's been he's had some really clutch home runs too and he's someone who's always bringing energy to the team he's always like he's always the first one on like the railing just like super hype if someone gets a big hit like showing that emotion which is good to see um especially when the team's struggling so he's been positive um but they just they've spent too much money to be where they're at um and if you're gonna spend that much money on a team you gotta they gotta perform on the field so there's currently at the all-star break six games under 500 seven games out from the wild card and they just they they ended on a good stretch they had won six in a row then lost their last two right before that that's um they have a chance to still make the wild card like you said there's three spots and um you know seven's not insurmountable at all by any means but they'll just have to, yeah, I'm not super confident in them. Um, some of the young guys, positives, but um, I think we're, we've seen, at least with like Scherzer, Verlander, maybe their better days are behind them. It's definitely a lot higher of a grade than I thought you were going to give them. I don't want to give them an F. No, I, I didn't think it was going to be an F, but I think a, I think you were going to give them a B. But Oh, no, a D. Oh, D. I thought you said B. I was like, <laughs> dang, all right. No, a D. D isn't oh, dull. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I definitely misheard that. I was like, dang, a B. I was about to give the Phillies a B. <laughs> no, no, they don't get a B. No. Yeah, I would say the Phillies, though, probably are, have been like a B or B minus, considering the injuries that they've had, very you know, timely things that have come up. But all things considered, they've gotten a lot of people to step up in certain games. They're not totally underwater. And like you said, they're being competitive here and they still have a chance at it they can always be a buyer at the deadline so i think overall they're you would like them to be in a better spot but it could be a lot worse you know considering harper's not doing as well as he probably would normally be doing if he was 100 percent healthy obviously not having reese hoskins is a big blow power wise so and the pitching they've got dragged early on the season i was definitely dragging them pretty hard but they really locked it down and were holding their own for the most part. So, yeah, I got to give it to them. They really turned it around here and been competitive of late. So, solid B. I saw because Alvarado obviously now going to the DL with mm-hmm. Dominguez already won there. That's a big blow because they're they were twenty and six in games he pitched. So that's tough. And the injuries have basically been the only thing holding them back. I mm-hmm. feel like from. Uh, like I mean, they kind of had like a little bit of a hangover start to the season, but it's kind of just been the injury game all throughout. And I don't want to make that an excuse, but it's Harper because he got hit in the elbow. I know test came back negative. Are we going to see him in the field this year? I don't think so. I mean, he's been working out at first base, but I still feel like from the Phillies perspective, unless it's an absolute emergency, I feel like it's too high of a risk because I feel like there's too many things that can happen where he like accidentally bends his arm or somebody runs into it or he trips or you know, and then he's forced to get surgery and now he's out indefinitely. So I think he want I think he would do it himself, but I'm not sure so sure the Phillies feel the same way. The craziest part about this, because we did our designated hitters today. If the National League didn't revote in twenty twenty two, Bryce Harper would literally be Clay Thompson right now. <laughs> he would have gone yeah. two full seasons with just not playing. The timing of it could not have worked better for the Phillies. And some things in sports go your way and some things don't. But this has to be one of, like, the biggest storylines for this Phillies team because they would not have made the run they did last year if he was not hitting 
and they would not be they probably wouldn't even have a winning record right now because Hoskins is out and some underperforming players. Also, I have to bring up the Nick Castellanos problem, and that's like he's playing super well, and like it's not really brought up a whole lot. But when he's like playing somewhat bad, his stats don't really show it, and he's still like decent. So I feel like he's just one of those guys where it's like he plays a lot better than sometimes it like seems, especially this year. I mean, obviously he's an All Star, and before he came to the Phillies. When he's getting traded around from like the Dodgers to the Cubs and playing for the Reds, he was a really dominant player. So he's just one of those guys that weirdly, like, I don't know, he's in that like weird spot of like praise and not praise, but he's just being consistent. So, like, even last year he had a down year, but he was still hitting like 280 to 300 at points in the season. But when we were looking at grades and we talked about the White Sox, I had looked up Tim Anderson. What happened to him this year? I don't know. You know what I think happened? He lost his job in the Team USA thing with Trey Turner. I feel like that just killed his confidence. He's had 275 at-bats this year. He still doesn't have a home run. That's crazy. And he's a really great hitter. Yeah, I don't – I kind of just feel like even in that moment when uh, they, like, pulled him out in the, in the World Baseball Classic and Trey Turner went in, it just seemed like – it's not like he was losing his job, obviously, but it just seemed like he felt that way, and I feel like it kind of carried over into the season. And then, obviously, the White Sox not doing as well as they are. I feel like it's not helping his situation. But I mean, he hit 300 for four straight years, and then this year he's hitting 223 with no home runs. I feel like some contender will pick him up and he'll be batting 300 again. Yeah. Like they'll just I also wonder him. if like him coming out as like bisexual, if that's fucked him up. I don't know. Like if yeah, yeah, I thought about that, Ben. I don't know how much of a factor was that this past off season or yeah. no, that was no, it was. I think it so. was. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, he probably has some adversity he has to play through, but yeah, I can't imagine Tony Larusa being your manager <laughs> for that long of a stretch. Mm. I don't think it's surprising the timing that he did it. Larusa's gone, and then he says it, dude. Yeah, I was so. That was a bad. That was such a bad hiring. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I just didn't know. I was like, I can't believe, I didn't think I was reading that right. He just has no home runs and just hitting so bad. Yeah, no home runs is actually really surprising. The yeah. least Arias is two or three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you finish with less than Arias, might have to reconsider your swing. Yeah. Well, I know we're not going to touch too much on the NBA, but I had a quick question for you guys off, uh, off the top of your heads. No, uh, no research involved. I have a quick start bench cut for the two okay. of you. All right. You ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Carmelo Anthony, Tracy McGrady, Paul George. Start Carmelo, bench, T-Mac, and cut Paul George. And the more I think about it, the more I realize that that was, that was pretty easy for me. I mean, I okay. like Paul George, but yeah, that's my answer. Yeah, Paul George is getting the cut for me, too. I'm going to start T-Mac and bring Carmelo off the bench. Interesting. The yeah. reason I, I wanted to ask is because I saw it on, on Twitter, and basically everyone was saying how underrated Paul George was. Yeah, I feel like he wasn't underrated. I feel like he got the fame when he was on the Pacers team. Oh, I agree. He was carrying those teams, but he just he never won anything. You're not going to get – you're not going to – Yeah, but I don't think he's underrated. I think that's a – bad take like reggie miller on those pacer teams like everyone remembers reggie miller and he never won anything like paul george did the same thing i guess all three guys never won a ring which is probably why they did that was Uh, but team act should have won a ring with uh vince carter oh true with the raptors i feel like maybe not but did some good duos between vince carter and Shaq a little bit (laughs) i know I don't know. I mean, his just he just he went up against the bronze like Cavs teams and they just never got by. Oh, good point. <laughs> never true. got by. Yeah, I actually saw that Katie and LeBron haven't played each other since 2018. I don't know. I feel like when I read that, I was like, that can't be true. But then I was like, between all the load management and injuries, I was like, it's probably happened so many times. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think they're just saying that because it's probably going to break this year with like them both being in the West. All right. Well, yeah. And just before we wrap up the show, um, Chase, I want to know your thoughts on just Fury and Nganu just got announced. Um, and as we're wrapping up, just want to hear your thoughts on that. Obviously, Nganu, this is what he's wanted, and he got mm-hmm. it. Um, so, <laughs> he's probably, I, I know he's uh, 
just trying to rub it in Dana's face as much as possible, but just wanted to hear your thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Francis has been in the winner's lane recently. I mean, he got his PFL deal, which is really flexible, and now he's got a boxing match. So I saw, do they have like a special rule set? It's that... it's not for the belt. Um, yeah, yeah. It's traditional, just... I think it's like 10 rounds, traditional boxing. Like, yeah, I think it's really good for MMA and boxing. Obviously, it's a big loss from Francis out of the UFC, the biggest promotion. But overall, this is a great matchup, especially if you're a fan of boxing, just to see Francis do it. I mean, I'd love to see him fight MMA, but against Tyson Fury, I mean, that's a top ranked boxer, world champion caliber level athlete and francis obviously retired as the ufc heavyweight champion so we know his you know capabilities are and most notably is striking i feel like when he lands punches on people he puts them out so it's gonna be interesting to see how tyson fury does he obviously handled deontay fear or deontay wilder a handful of times and you know wilder has crazy knockout power so we're going to see. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited it happened. Um, I think it's funny he named his his fight promotion like Gimmick. Uh, Nagano names his fight promotion Gimmick Promotions or something and like in reference to what Dana White said. Oh, that's funny. Um, he's like, he's just, just rubbing salt in the womb right now. But yeah, I mean, hats off to him. He set out for what he wanted and got it yeah out of all the like the exhibition boxing matches that have gone on this is definitely the most legit one i think yeah like out of just pure boxer versus someone who's as capable as him and i don't um, know if, if Nganu can stamina wise like i think fury's probably got really deceptive stamina oh yeah um, yeah he can so, go 12 rounds yeah but it i'm excited for it I feel like just boxing, the best matches recently have been exhibition matches. Like, they're putting them together. I mean, I guess yeah. they can do that in the UFC, too. But boxing, they probably have a little more leeway. But it's always these exhibition matches have been the most popular ones. But Boxing is just hard because there's so many divisions, so many different, like, promotions. It's not. It's hard. We've been lucky that there's been so many, like, superstar fights booked recently. Yeah. Like, like Tank and Garcia and obviously Earl Spence and Crawford. Like, it's so rare that these things actually shake out and see, you know, see it through to, like, a date. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this is just better for all of combat sports as a whole to do this, and maybe it's going to set other people off on the path of not thinking that they have to do the UFC to make it. Like, they can do other promotions and do other things and, you know, have a variety of, you know, expertise and get paid for it instead of just being locked into MMA. And, you know, who knows? You can go on for it and then you're cut from the UFC and now you have a bad name and reputation because you didn't do well in the greatest promotion. You know, again, appreciate everyone for listening. As always, uh, as we wrap up the show, don't forget to vote on our Instagram, AFR Show Pod. You can vote on Spotify also. And check us out. We're going to be on Twitter here soon as well. So thanks for listening as always. And we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah, see y'all.